Let us turn again in the word of God to the book of Isaiah, chapter 32, and reading in verse 2. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. We shall consider these uh, words as the Lord is pleased to enable us. This uh, prophecy has now come to pass. The king of eternity has come into this world as a man. And unless he had been God-man, there would be no hiding place to speak of. The hiding place is because he is the mediator. As Luther reminded us all so often, we cannot deal with an absolute God. We must have a mediator, one to bring God and man together in peace. And the human nature here is emphasized, as we shall see uh, later. There's a task given to Christ here for which a mere man is inadequate. He has to be a hiding place, a refuge, a protection. And the reason for that is we are all living in enemy-occupied country. We are the minority in a world which is against God. Now, first of all, what the world is to the sinner. It is a weary land. We're all on a journey. Temporary is written all over this world. People come into this world by birth. They go through this world in life, and they go out of this world at death. And the world does not change its nature. Paul calls it this present evil world. And according to the book of Revelation, shortly before the Lord comes again, there will be the, the greatest manifestation of rebellion against God. And we read that the church is surrounded. It is compassed about. And yet it is safe because they are all in this hiding place in Christ. Now, the nature of the world cannot be changed, but human nature can be. And God does change human nature. And he takes away the dominion of sin. He renews the will. And you know the catechism for uh, effectual calling. And there are people in this refuge. And it's because there is a refuge to go to. If Christ had not come into this world as a man, there would be no hiding place from the wind and no covert from the tempest. It is a weary land. 
We know the weariness of trudging through a wilderness day by day. We're seeing the same things. We have afflictions that come against us from outside of us. We have the enmity of the world, the unbelief, the ridicule, the reproach. It's all there in, in the scriptures. We also have the devil. Now, the devil has helpers, of course. And it's as if every Christian has a target painted on their back. And of course, the devil being a spirit, he can see who has the Holy Spirit and who has not. We can't see that. But he, see, being a spirit, can see other spirits. And it's one thing for the devil to send some of his uh, confederates against you. It's quite another when he gives you personal attention. Then you feel your fear and your weakness. And remember, he does go about and he does give individuals his personal attention. He doesn't send a, an underling, you might say. He comes himself. And it's only the Lord's people that he comes against, remember. So if you feel that you're being attacked by the devil, that's actually a good sign. Because he leaves his own people alone. It's as if he puts up a do not disturb sign over their, their soul. Apollyon in the Pilgrim's Progress uh, straddled the way against one of the Lord's people. And uh, you remember the, in Acts, the seven sons of Sceva tried their, tried their hand, you might say, at uh, expelling demons. And the demon would not obey. And I think it's Spurgeon. He comments when the devil says, now, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I, I know, but who are you? And Spurgeon says, it's good to have a reputation with the devil, that he knows you, that you're not one of his people. That's a good thing to have, he said. Outside afflictions, it's like the weather, we can do very little about it. But then again, we've got the inside. We read here of wind and tempest and there are storms in Matthew chapter 7 as well, and they're, they're coming against us. Now, when you get storms within the soul, well, it's like the wind. The wind blows away what you have. It just blows it away. It's there one minute, and it's blown away the next. And you don't feel the way that you would like to feel or you ought to feel. And you're saying with Cowper, where is the blessedness I knew? You're not conscious of having done anything to, to grieve the spirit. And yet a wind has come and you feel you've lost something. Perhaps you've lost your joy or your assurance or your sense of nearness or your peace, but the wind has come. And you feel a loss, and there's an inward storm in the conscience, 
Because whenever we lose something, there's a sense of guilt. It's quite natural to feel, what have I done? And then to be afraid, I don't know what I've done. And therefore, I can't confess it. And you become more afraid. Now, we have to expect, as Paul taught us in Romans 7, that there are going to be things going on in us that we do not like, and sadly, which we cannot stop. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Every time he seeks to do something that is good, evil is present with me. He just cannot get uh, away from it. And then the temptations come in. We know what is right, but we so often do what is wrong. And the temptation comes in, are, are you really a Christian? And it's good to have Romans 7 or Galatians 5. You cannot do uh, what you would like to do. But nevertheless, it's actually in us and we feel it. And there's a storm, there's a wind, there's a tempest. And the thoughts are racing. And we don't know where to go. And this is the answer here. A man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, a covert, a shelter from the tempest. When the wind comes, we see what will stand and what will not stand. Peter was called to walk towards Christ on the water. And he started out very well. He was looking at Christ, looking onto Jesus. That's how you run the race. But then we read when he saw the wind. Now, whenever you start looking at the wind and the opposition and the temptations and your own frailty, you must, in the nature of things, be taking your eyes away from Christ. When he saw the wind, he began to sink. There are some things, and I know it's difficult, but there are some things we have to ignore in this world. Some things and some words that we have to ignore. <clears throat> it's difficult to look away from them, but David prays, turn away my eyes from viewing vanity. The things that are not going to help us, but looking unto Jesus, that is going to help us. The believer is compared in uh, Matthew 7 to a house that went up on a foundation on a rock, and Christ is that rock. And the wind came, the rains came, the house stood, but you can be sure that all the fabric was creaking under the strain of that storm and that tempest. And we will feel the strain, the opposition, the trial, the pressure, but not as much as he did in Gethsemane. We have not yet resisted unto blood, says the apostle. We have not yet sweated blood, as happened in Gethsemane. <laughs> when the wind blows, where do you look for comfort? A man shall be as a hiding place from the wind. There can be great grief, especially in bereavement. And the wind blew and took away what Job had. 
And where did he find comfort? The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's always a mark of grace when you can speak well of the Lord through clenched teeth. And when you're trembling, not only in your body, but in your mind, that you can still say, this man has done all things well. That is what the world is to the sinner. It's a weary land. We are getting exhausted as we go through it. But secondly, what Christ is to the sinner, a hiding place, a covert, as rivers of water, as the shadow of a great rock in this weary land. Now, a hiding place from what? Well, from the persecuting world. There are some times when you can no longer face the world. You just go to your room and shut the door. And you simply get alone with Christ. This is the friend who understands what nobody else understands. And sometimes what you do not understand. Or perhaps you understand, but you cannot put it into words. But the Holy Spirit, remember, interprets the sighs and the groanings of the heart. Romans chapter 8. And the Lord hears tears and, and sighs. And weeping has a, a voice of its own. I think it was Rutherford that said that. Also a hiding place from the broken law. Now here is a tempest. The sense of guilt now, that makes you feel very alone. You can't share that with anyone. You can't run away from it. You are on your own and you feel it. This sense of guilt. You try to get rid of that sense of guilt to get peace again. You can't do it. But even with a sense of guilt, this is where you have to go. A man shall be as a hiding place. So it's a hiding place from the world, from the devil, and you might say from ourselves. David says, I flee to thee to cover me. And when he's singing in Psalm 32, when he's about to be overwhelmed, he said, thou art my hiding place. And he goes to him. Also, we read here of a, a refreshing. Now, refreshing gives you strength to get back up and to keep going on the journey. And you need strength to have patience, remember. It's very easy to run about in a panic and it can be easily mistaken as a sign of strength. Look at the vigor and the activity in these people. It takes more strength to be patient as you wait upon the Lord. He that believeth shall not make haste, we read. Strength, patience, and patience to stay where you are. Not to go to some other hiding place, some other confidence, some other person, but to stay where you are. The temptation is to think, well, I've been praying, I've been waiting, and nothing has happened. I'm in the same situation. The temptation is to run out and do something. 
Moses told them from the Lord, their strength is to sit still. The Lord will open the door or the gate or the way out at some point. But you have to be waiting at the door when it opens. Refreshing. Not make haste. But what about those people who do not go to this hiding place or who pay a compliment and then go somewhere else? Well, obviously, they think they have a better hiding place. They have a better security. They found something that makes them feel better. Now, remember, waiting upon the Lord patiently does not mean you will feel better immediately. But you will in the end. There's only security in this place and nowhere else. We're told in scripture of all the dangers that can happen in our journey. But we're also told about this protector. This one who is unique and who can be a hiding place for multitudes of people. Now that is unique. People come to us for help and we cannot give them the help that they need. But Christ can take in many into that hiding place, which is himself. And Paul says to the Colossians, your life is hid with Christ. Or as the woman said to David, his soul was in the bundle of life in, in the hands of the Lord. In this passage, the Lord Jesus tells the church to expect him. He wasn't yet God and man in one person. He came, and this is an encouragement to sinners to come to him. The Lord sets open this hiding place. There is a way in, and he said, I am the door. He is the hiding place. And this shows us the importance of that human nature for our safety. Because what is our security here? Our security is that he has done all that was required to be a safe hiding place for his people forever. And for that, he needed a human nature. Because the divine nature cannot suffer. And to make this hiding place, he had to suffer. Now that brings us to the third point here, the security of this protection. How does a house protect you when the storm comes? By taking the power of the storm upon itself while you hide inside. As you know, whenever there's a hurricane, and there was one here some years ago, if you wanted safety, you stayed in the house. You did not go outside. And you heard the house taking the brunt of the storm. That is how Christ is a hiding place. He took all the enmity of Satan, of the law, of the people upon himself. And we hide behind that. Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield. And you have the way it's done also in Isaiah chapter 12. He says, O Lord, thou wast angry with me. 
but thine anger is turned away. How could it be turned away when we deserved it? Someone came in between. Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield. This is our hiding place behind him. The old divines used to talk about hiding in, in the wounds of Christ. Because unless he was a man, he could not shed blood. And if he could not shed blood, there could be no forgiveness. Unless he was a man, then the nature of which sinned could not suffer. But he suffered in human nature. The nature which sinned against God satisfied God's justice. Justice has been done. The surety has paid the penalty. God does not punish sin twice. First at the Savior's hands and then at ours, as Top Lady said. This is what he is to us. And the effect of his righteousness, as we read over the page, is peace. There's peace inside that hiding place. You still hear the storm, the temptation, the pressures, the devil all around you, but you're at peace inside. In the ark, they were safe, but they heard all the cries outside. In Egypt, there was a cry at midnight, cries in most dwellings, but behind the blood, there was peace and there was hope and security. Now, this hiding place is not far from every one of us. You do not go into this hiding place with your feet. Call upon me, he said, while he is near. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how near he is to you. He's near enough to call in prayer. And the door, well, the door is open, like the city of refuge. The gates were always open. And once inside, well, they could look out and see all the opposition against them, and they knew they were safe. They were in sight. God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help, always present in time of trouble. How do we get inside? Well, first of all, we have to reject every other hiding place. The Lord says in Isaiah, he will sweep away all the refuges of lies, false refuges. But it takes the power of God to take a sinner out of a false refuge and bring him into the true refuge, which is Christ Jesus. It doesn't occur to us in human reasoning that Christ should be a refuge a hiding place, although he suffered and died on a cross. But he rose again, and his work is to bring people to himself. Because in bringing them to himself, they are brought into this refuge, this hiding place from the wind. Now, if you're in a refuge, it implies that somebody's hunting you down. And the law is hunting you down. And you felt the guilt of the law. And the law is not far from every one of us either. 
that Christ is within the reach of calling upon. They that know thy name shall put their trust in thee. Well, he's a hiding place. He's a refuge. And when you come inside, rather like Jerusalem, there are rivers of water. Jerusalem had no natural uh, water supply. They had to bring it in from outside. And isn't that where we get our supply? It is brought in to us from outside. In Christ, there is this fountain of living water. And we draw from that every day of our lives. And even in heaven, the lamb in the midst of the throne shall lead them unto fountains of living water. And that fountain is himself. <clears throat> I flee to thee to cover me. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily inside Christ Jesus. But those outside alone with your guilt, cut off from God by your sin, well, you're just waiting to die. And you have no refuge, no hiding place. The law will find you. Death will find you. But the law cannot touch you if you're in Christ. It can threaten, it can posture, it can make condemnations, but there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, in the hiding place. There are those who are not far from the kingdom of God, are not far from this hiding place. They know what it is. They know how to get to it. What's lacking? The power and the will. We are not by nature willing to come to him that we might have life. John 5 verse 39. The great text Luther used against Erasmus in his book, The Bondage of the Will. But by the grace of God, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. We have the word. We can point the way. But the power is Christ. And we ought to be aware of that and pray for that. Otherwise, words without power, what will that accomplish? It will accomplish this. The word of God will either soften you or harden you depending on that spirit. When you hear the word of Christ and the spirit is working, it will soften you. You go away without Christ, without finding this refuge, you will become harder, harder. And instead of warming to the gospel, you will grow bitter because you're still in this weary land and you're finding no comfort, no refuge. What a dreadful life it is. Is it a life without Christ? Is it not death heading for the second death? Have you fled to this refuge? The door is open. Faith and hope and love, well, they will head for that door. 
And once inside, never cast out, but outside, alone with your guilt. And what a terror the conscience will be. What nightmares and forebodings of what is to come. Spur uh, Shakespeare was right, Shakespeare. Conscience doth make cowards of us all. People say they're not afraid. They're afraid of their conscience. Because where you go, your conscience goes with you. And Robert Bruce, the great minister of St. Giles, he used to emphasize that. God can use conscience. But remember, conscience only has a verdict of good or bad. But when the conscience is taught by the Holy Spirit, conscience flees to Christ and finds peace. How many have been lost within sight of home? They knew the way home, but they never made it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The answer is in the negative. We will not escape. Christ is pointed to in the gospel. This God-man, this hiding place for sinners. And once in, they're kept forever. What this hiding place is, is power, strength, love. No merit of ours, but the merit of the God-man. He was obedient unto death, took all the forces that were out to destroy us and stood before them. God is our shield. Have we really entered in? Do we enjoy what is inside, or at least know what we should enjoy inside Christ? Well, brethren, pray for it. The vision may tarry, but it will surely come. The promises of love cannot be broken. Inside, the best company, the best refuge, and safe in the everlasting arms of God, our refuge and our strength. And may he bless his word to all of us. Let us pray. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. We pray that thou would bless the reading and preaching of thy word and the singing of thy praise, that it may be acceptable in thy sight through the merits of Christ, and that we might profit from this study of thy word. We are as children before thee. We would rather listen than speak. And we bless thee for a place in the intercession of Christ Jesus. And enable us to think more and more of his heavenly activity towards his people. We pray for all those to whom Christ is not yet precious. Who do not see that beauty who are not yet drawn to attach themselves to him. And yet he is God manifest in the flesh. He is the desire of all nations. And he shall surely come 
May we have the grace to live and the grace to die in Jesus Christ. Amen.